Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for the NCC podcast. God is doing so many great things in our community, and I trust that he's doing great things in your life as well. And I trust that God is going to speak to you through this message. Uh, tonight is going to be just a, a little bit of, um, of kind of a, a, a one-off, if you would, as um, Destiny was kind of taking us through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, uh, while we were gone for a couple weeks, Alex uh, filled in, but, but filled in in that, that whole thought of, of Jesus' teachings. Um, so it kind of stayed in that, in that framework of, of, of Jesus' teachings. And so uh, tonight, I, I'm, I'm going to give you, um, uh, you know, in this year of advance, come on, everybody say advance. advance. Come on, advance. This is uh, the definition of the word advance, right? It's to, it's to move forward in a purposeful way, right? The, the difference between existing and advancing has everything to do with purpose, because everybody's moving forward. The earth is moving forward. Time is moving forward. Everyone is moving forward, but not everybody is moving forward on purpose and with purpose. That's the difference between advancing and existing. And I don't want to be a person that is just okay with existing. I don't want to settle for normal when supernatural is available, (laughs) right? I don't want to settle for ordinary when God said he can make things extraordinary, right? So so I want to live the life of abundance, and that's what we've said. We are advancing into what? We are advancing into abundance. We are advancing into God's fullness, overflowing fullness. We are advancing into the more that God has for us. And so we're going to move forward on purpose, with purpose, into everything that God said was possible. God said it was possible for us to live the abundant life. So this is our year to advance. But here's what I, what I have for us tonight is I have five answers for advancement. Five answers that we must give if we want to advance. And those answers are going to come out of five questions that we are going to be confronted with. And the answers to the questions that we are confronted with is going to determine the level of our advancement. If we are going to move forward and if we are going to make progress... I want to start uh, with just Jeremiah 29, 11. We looked at this at a couple Sundays ago, but this is what uh, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. So this is what God says. God says, listen, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you, and the plans that I have for you, they are good. They are not to harm you. They are not to frustrate you. They are good. My plan is to bless you. My plan for you is that you would live the abundant life. And that's what Jesus said in John 10, 10, right? It's the reason I've come. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the reason that I have come is that you might have life, that you might have it to the full, that you might have it in abundance until it overflows. That is the reason 
that Jesus came. Not just that we would have eternal life, but that we would also have abundant life. And so we hear the very heart of God in the words of Jesus because God, all these years before, told Jeremiah, this is the plan I have for you, and it's good. I want to prosper you. I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. And then he says, and my plan is that you would have this hope and that this hope would give you this beautiful future. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, this is in the amplified version of the Bible, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, for we are his workmanship, speaking of God's workmanship, for we are God's workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Come on, tell somebody around you, just look at them and say, come on, you are God's masterpiece. Come on, just tell them. Come on, look behind you, in front of you, around you. Come on, tell somebody, you are God's masterpiece. Come on, now tell that other person that you just ignored that's feeling left out, okay, and you tell them, come on, tell them, say, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are a work of art. You're a work of art. And this is what the scripture says. For you were created in Christ Jesus. You were created in Christ Jesus means that you were reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and ready to be used. Used for what? For good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Somebody needs to say amen. Because you are God's masterpiece. You are a work of art, and you were created brand new in Christ Jesus. And what you were created brand new for is you were created for good works. Good works that what? That he prepared for you long ago so that you would be able to walk in them so that you might live the good life that he desires for you to have. Well, you go ahead and say amen one more time. That's so good. That's that's the plan and desire of God. So what we see God saying to Jeremiah, what we see Jesus saying in John 10.10, what we see the Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church, is he writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, it's so important that you understand this. This is who you are. You are this masterpiece created by God, reborn in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. And God was so intentional about this that he prepared the good work for you before you ever got here. And all he wants to do is to lead you into this good work so that you might live the good life that he wants you to live. So all of this simply wraps up into this idea that God has a plan for our lives. There is a purpose for us on this earth. There there is a destiny for us to walk in too, but let me say, you have to walk into it. You won't wander your way into it. <laughs> you have to walk your way into it. You have to walk with intentionality into the plan and purpose that God has for you. You're not just going to wander into everything that God has. Now, God will create the path, and God is good to guide you along the path. But I think we've all lived long enough to know that God's not going to walk for us. 
God creates the path. Come on, something that me and you couldn't do. We couldn't create the path. God will create the path. And God says, hey, you're not alone on the journey. I'm going to walk with you and not just walk with you. I'm going to give you this supernatural GPS system. Turn left, turn right. Yeah, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help and navigate you and guide you along the pathway. But God says, I'm not going to walk it out for you. You're going to have to do that. You have to walk into what God has in store for you. And, and we can take this principle and we can take it all the way back into the Old Testament because we say now, right, that God uh, has, uh, it, uh, that Jesus came, right, so that we could have this abundant life. But we understand back in the Old Testament, God was taking them into an, a, a promised land or an abundant land, right? That's, that was back, uh, you know, Joshua is, is the people that, is the, is the guy who led them into the, into the promised land uh, in, in the book of Joshua. And, you know, God didn't pick them up and just transport them over the Jordan River. They had to cross the Jordan. Now, did God create a pathway for them? Absolutely. Because it wasn't Joshua out there holding up the Jordan River, okay? It, it, it wasn't Joshua's strength. It wasn't the strength of the army that created a, you know, created a dam and blocked up there. No, no, no. God supernaturally moved. And God guided them. He told them exactly where they were supposed to cross. He, he set up everything for, it was all set up. God was creating a pathway. God was guiding them in the process. But God said, you're going to have to use your two feet to get over there. I'm not going to carry you over there. And so it's the same way with the life that God has for us. God is creating a pathway. God's willing to guide us, but we are going to have to be the ones to walk into it. So there are five questions that we need to answer if we are going to advance, if we're going to move forward in a purposeful way into everything that God has for us. And the first question that we have to answer is this, what price am I willing to pay? What price am I willing to pay? pay because I may understand right when and the the other definition I kind of gave you the first definition for advance but if you remember we've been talking about it all year this year but the second definition is to make progress right and we've talked about this a lot right so it's actually how we define discipleship here at North Point we say that discipleship is the process to progress because if you want progress you must submit to process it's the only way that you get to progress. You must walk through the process. If you want to run a marathon, have you understand, there's a process of training you go to to run a marathon. If you want to become a certified accountant, there is a process that you have to go through to become a certified accountant. There are processes. The progress that you want is going to be determined by the process that you walk through. So whenever we ask ourselves, what price am I willing to pay? We are asking ourselves with the understanding that, hey, we want to make progress. We want to advance, but the process is going to cost something. So I must be confronted with this question, what price am I willing to pay? Jesus talked about this. I, I love it in Luke 14. I, I love it in the the message uh, paraphrase uh, version, uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase version. I, I love the way that it, it, it says it here in verse 25, Luke 14. It says, one day when large crowds of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me 
but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. So he says, that, look, if you're not willing to let go of what's in your life, he says, you can't be my disciple. Also, he says, if you're not willing to shoulder your cross, you can't be my disciple. And if you can't follow behind, you know, that's like, that's the key to being the Jesus father. You got to follow behind. I mean, you like to get out in front of God, right? I like to get out in front of God, tell God what, where, where we should be going and what we should be doing. You know, I don't know if God's paying attention. You know, I got to alert him to what's going on down here on the earth. And here Jesus says, hey, look, you got to follow behind me if you're going to be my disciple. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you He started something he couldn't finish. Which takes us to this question. Can can you let go of what's most important to you for for what is actually most important? Because there are things that are important to us, but they're not the most important things. And Jesus is asking here, hey, are you willing to let go of things that are important to you. Are you willing to let go of of some opinions that have been important to you for a long time for what's most important? Are you willing to let go of, of some prejudice? Are you willing to let go of some ways of thinking? Are you willing to let go of some things so that you can actually have what is most important? You see, the, the, the decision of what we're talking about here, the decision of the price that you'll pay, this decision needs to be made in the beginning of the journey. (laughs) You don't make this decision when you get to the adversity. You see, the answer that you give to this question at the beginning of, of, this, of the journey, it's actually for the adversity. So you don't, you, don't, you don't get to the adversity and then go, oh man, how much am I willing to pay? <laughs> how bad do I really want to follow Jesus, right? You don't get to the challenge and then try to ask yourself the question. No, instead, you ask yourself the question now and you say, how much am I willing to pay? And if you say, okay, I'm willing to let go of these things that Jesus let go, I'm willing to shoulder the cross that Jesus told me I was going to carry, and I am willing to follow him wherever he would lead me, okay, that's good because sooner or later you're going to come up against some adversity, and when you face the adversity, you can't then begin to go, okay, let me recalculate this. Let me see how much, no, 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 I've already made up my mind in the face of adversity. I have already decided what I was willing to pay. So I know in that moment, I'm going to pay the price because I already made up my mind. I made up my mind. I am willing to pay the price to be a follower of Jesus. You know, there was a, uh, there's in John chapter six, uh, you know, Jesus is giving this, this, this really tough teaching, and he's got a, 
hundreds of disciples there with him, hundreds of his followers, and, and he's given this teaching, and he's talking about, you know, him being the uh, the bread of life, right? And and uh, and 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 just man, he's given this teaching of living water, bread of life, this whole thing. And then Jesus like turns it, and he's like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people are like, what do he say? <laughs> And the Bible says in John 6, verse 66, it says, after this, a lot of his disciples left. So I say, that's understandable, right? That's understandable. A lot of his disciples left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. Then Jesus gave the 12, his 12 closest disciples, their chance. Do you want to leave also? Peter replied, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves, confident that you are the Holy One of God. He says, we already answered the question. We already decided the price that we were willing to pay. We've already made up our mind about who you are. And yes, I don't understand what you're talking about, about your flesh, and I'm not interested in chewing on your femur bone or anything like that. Like, I don't understand. I really don't want to drink your blood, right? I don't get it all, but I have already made up my mind. See, that's what happens. Sometimes in adversity, we can't we can't see clearly. The challenge is bigger than we thought. It, it Things are a little bit tougher than we ever imagined. And when we step into the adversity, we need to have the answer of Peter that says, where else am I going to go? I've come too far to turn back now. I'm not going to renegotiate this contract or this covenant of following you. I have already made up my mind to lay down my life. The price that I am willing to pay has already been settled. So in the face of adversity, I'm not trying to figure out how much I'm willing to pay. Peter says, we've already decided. We're not going anywhere. We're going to pay the price. And listen, pay the price they would. Pay the price they would. We know that of, of the 11 disciples, of course, Judas betrays Jesus and, and, and hangs himself, but there's 11 other left, and 10 of those 11 are going to be martyred. Ten of the eleven are going to be are going to be martyred, killed by the sword, crucified upside down. They would pay a price, and they didn't get up to the adversity and then start trying to negotiate and say, "How much am I willing to pay?" They decided before they started, and they said. I am willing to pay. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I am committing myself to you. So we have to ask ourselves, what price am I willing to pay? And we decide that now. We decide what we are willing to pay now. Here's the second question that we have to, that we have to answer if we are going to advance, and that is this. What foundation am I willing to lay? So what is the price that I'm willing to pay, but, but what foundation am I willing to lay? Luke, Luke chapter 6, Jesus is, is teaching, and, and he says this. He says, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard 
of living. And if some of you are like, I've never read this in the Bible before. It's the message version, okay? And they, <laughs> these words I speak to you, they're, they're not mere additions to your life. They're, they're, not, they're not just homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. You see, Jesus' words are not intended for mere modification, but for our foundation. Jesus' words are not meant just for a little bit of behavior modification. No, Jesus' words are spoken so that we could build our life on the foundation of his teaching. And there is a big difference between just taking what Jesus said and saying, oh, that's good, I think I'm going to add that to my life, and taking everything that Jesus said and saying, I'm going to build my life on this truth. That's what Jesus says. He says, a smart carpenter, this wise carpenter, he dug deep. He dug deep because what, what, what is Jesus talking about here that we're building? Our life. Come on, how many of you know that's important? This is big. This is big. This is, this, is, this, is your, this is your life that we're talking about. And he says, the wise carpenter, he digs deep. He digs deep. Because the truth is this, the, the more abundant you want your life to be, the more anchored your foundation needs to be. The more abundant you want your life to be, the more anchored your foundation needs to be. You know, whenever you study the, 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 the big redwood trees, right, out in California, who grow like 350 feet tall, like that's, that's a, bigger than a football field, you know, up in the air. And whenever you begin to, to look at those trees, it's so interesting, you know, the roots of those redwoods, they, they don't go down, almost never go down deeper than six feet into the ground. But they go out a hundred feet in every direction, and the roots begin to—they uh, begin to attach to other roots. They begin to wrap themselves around, and so in the redwood forest, those roots are going out a hundred feet in every direction, and the roots of all of the trees are beginning to intertwine themselves to create such a firm foundation that whenever the wind blows, those massive trees, they don't fall over because the foundation that they have built for themselves is so secure. And that's why we have to ask ourselves, what foundation am I willing to lay? Because if I want my life to go high, my foundation has to be strong. And Jesus says, this is how you build a firm foundation. You work my words into your life. And this is not a one-time thing. This is not me just making a decision, deciding that I'm going to be a Jesus follower. No, this is daily 
working his words into my life to build a stronger and stronger foundation. Why? Because I want my life to keep going higher and higher. So if I want my life to keep elevating, then I have to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper to lay such a strong and sturdy foundation based off of his truth, based off of his principles, based off of his word, based off of who he is. And I work his words into my life so that my life can continue to grow, so it can continue to keep going higher and higher and higher. But once again, come on, that is, I've got to work those words into my life. I've got to work them into my life. So, so, so what foundation are you willing to lay? You know, it's a, it's a whole lot easier to live to please ourselves than it is to please God. <laughs> I have found that living my way is a, is a whole lot easier for me than me trying to live God's way. Right, because I've got to work his words into my life. And sometimes they go against what I really want to do. I don't want to forgive, right? I don't want to be nice to somebody who's mean, right? I mean, it's just natural human things, right? But Jesus is working against these things. He's saying, no, you, you, you have to forgive. No, you, you got to love everybody. No, you got to pray for your enemies, right? Jesus is working against these things. And so I have to ask myself, what foundation am I willing to lay? How many, how many words of Jesus am I really wanting to work into my life? Because that's going to determine how strong my foundation really is. So if I take, well, I, like, I mean, I like 20% of what Jesus said. I mean, I like the bless me stuff, you know. I mean, I like all the abundant life. Who I like that, you know. I like, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to work that in. Well, listen, if you just take 20% and that's all you work in, come on, you're working with a 20% foundation. That's not stable. Right? I got to take all of his words. I've got to work them into my life. I've got to be willing to lay that foundation. It takes us to the, the third question that we have to ask ourselves, and that is this, what promises am I willing to replay? What promises am I willing to replay? So what price am I willing to pay? What foundation am I willing to lay? And what promises am I willing to replay? The Bible says this in, in Deuteronomy, in the, the Old Testament, the Bible says in, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, it says, and and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them. Everybody say repeat. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I mean, what God is saying is he's saying, hey, don't forget. Now, how many of you did, you, if you ever, you know, just forget something, right? You know, and so like, what do you do if you don't forget? You know, you have to write something down. 
right? You know, you got to put an alert on your phone. You got to write something down on sticky notes. And, you know, you got sticky notes everywhere, whatever. Whatever your process is, you got your to-do list. You got your journal. You got, you know, you got to write these things down. Because why? Because if we don't write them down, we forget. You know, I, I, I really enjoy when Destiny's not in here. Uh, gives me just a freedom to tell some stories. Um, here's what Destiny will do. Destiny will, 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 will grocery shop, okay, uh, on, on ship because, you know, she don't, she, don't, she don't like to shop. So she shops uh, on, on that from our living room, okay, but won't walk into the kitchen to see what we need. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I'm just hitting the nerve right here. My man said, "Oh, go there, Pastor, talk about it." And she and, and she she won't walk in the kitchen and see what we need, and she will order all these things. And so she'll order olive oil, but we got five of them. You know, I mean, you know, and, and she we have everything, but but we still don't have no. I mean, we get the shipped order to deliver. We still don't have any bread. We're still missing. It. And like, I'm like, babe, and she's like, ah, I just too busy. I'm like, you were sitting on the couch, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like not not even knowing, not even knowing what it is. And so we have we have a tendency, right, to forget, right. Did she know we were out of bread? Well, yeah, because we couldn't make sandwiches for the kids' lunch that morning. But what happened? She forgot whenever she was ordering. Because why? Because that's what we do. We forget. We forget things. And so here, this is, this is, this is what God's saying. He's like, hey, you need to write this down everywhere. Okay, you need to put it on your forehead. You need to tie it to your hand. You need to put it on your gates. You need to put it on the doorposts of your house. I mean, you you need to put this everything. You need to tattoo it on your mule. I mean, you just need to put this thing wherever you can to remind yourself of my promises and my commands. That's why this is why we talk a lot here about declarations, right? We talk about our, 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 our morning declaration, declaring truth over us. And, and, and this is what we always say, hey, put it on your mirror. Put it on the dashboard of your car. Why? Because if you don't, you forget to do it. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, hopefully, and then you leave your house and you go about your day. And you forget to remind yourself about who God says you are. You forget to remind yourself about what God said was possible, right? And, and yet if you just had a note card on your mirror, you could look, oh, oh, okay, yeah, I am a child of God. I am loved, adored, accepted by my Father in heaven. And you could say that declaration if you just had it in a place where you were reminded to say it. That's what God's saying. God's saying You're, we're human. We're forgetful. So put it everywhere, so you remind yourself about what I have said to you, what I've spoken to you, the directions I've given to you. He goes on in, 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 uh, in Deuteronomy 6, and, and he says this. He says, if you obey all his decrees, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. This is the promise of God. He's saying, hey, I want to remind you of the promise that God made to your ancestors that there is a land that he has for you and it is prosperous and it is abundant and it is overflowing. And when you possess that land, you are going to walk into houses that are fully stocked with stuff you didn't get. And there's going to be water wells that you didn't dig. And there's going to be vineyards that you didn't plant. And you need to remind yourself of this promise. You need to remind yourself of this promise. You see, the the commands is what he said in the beginning, right? He says, you need to commit yourselves to these commands. That's the first one he read. He said, you need to write this here, write this there, write this there, because it's really the commands that carry us to the promises. Because if if we only see the commands, listen, if you only see the commands of God, they can become a burden. But whenever you see the commands of God as the pathway to God's promises, all of a sudden they become a blessing. This is why when, when we see the commands of God, when, when, we, when we see the, uh, let's go some of the, like some of the tough teachings, right, if we want to say that, right, some of the really hard things that rub against our, our, our flesh and, uh, you know, really, if, if, we, if, we go, if we go to those things, right, we could say, man, that's a burden, but whenever you understand that, that that command or that teaching is actually the pathway to God's blessing in your life, now all of a sudden that command is not a burden. It, it becomes my breakthrough to my blessing. It's, now it's not something I'm just like, oh, man, I got to forgive. Oh, man, I got to love that person over there. No, I realize this is my breakthrough into the blessing of God because when I am obedient, when I love like God called me to love, when I serve like God called me to serve, when I forgive those people who do me wrong, when I pray for my enemies, when I am obedient to God, what that does, that command creates the breakthrough into the blessing that God wants to give me. It's what he created me for. So what I have to do is is replay the promises of God. I have to remind myself of his promises. You know, sometimes we focus too much on the wrong side of things. And instead of looking, instead of looking at what we can attain, we, we see only the reasons that we have to complain, right? <laughs> Instead of seeing what we can attain and what, what is possible, all we see is the things that, that we could be a plan. This is so hard. This is taking so long. This is not comfortable without understanding that this is the pathway to our blessing. This is the breakthrough that's going to carry us into the abundant life that Jesus created us for. So we have to remind ourselves of the promise of God. And let me just tell you a few things that Jesus promised you. You know one thing Jesus promised you? He promised you rest. He said you could come to him if you were weary. And he said, I will give you rest. Jesus promised peace and joy that were supernatural. 
that means they can, they, they, they can go beyond your natural circumstance. So no matter what is happening in your situation or in your circumstance, there is a peace that God can give. Even you can be in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, and there is a peace and joy that God can give you on the inside that will supersede anything that is around you. You have to remind yourself of that promise. You have to remind yourself of the promise that Jesus promised you eternal life. He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if it wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you. There's eternal life. As we talked about, there, there's the promise of abundant life. There is the promise of power. Jesus promised. He said, I am sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to fill you with power. It's the promise that Jesus gave us. Now, we can just look at overall Bible promises, right? And there are Bible promises that God's going to finish the work that he began in us. There's the promise that nothing is going to ever separate us from the love of God. There's the promise that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. There's God's promise that we, that we will get peace when we pray. There's promise that God will supply our needs. There's a promise that we can have comfort even in the midst of our trials. And so what we know is this. Whenever we encounter problems, we need to echo promises. When we encounter problems, we need to echo promises. We need to replay the promises of God. We need to replay the promises of God that I am not alone, that God is with me, that all things are possible, that God is going to give me the strength through Christ to face anything that I am going through. See, God, you know, I mean, uh, contrary to, to Hobby Lobby, God didn't give his promises just for house decorations. <laughs> he didn't give his promises just so you could have a nice, cute artwork, you know, and a nice little painting and, you know, uh, somebody crochet a little something. I think, I don't even know that's a real thing. You know, whatever that is that you do and you hang it on your wall. Like that, the, the promises of God are not for decoration. The promises of God are for your declaration that you would declare out of your mouth the promises of God. It's not about it hanging on your wall. God wants it tattooed on your heart, right? God wants it tattooed on your heart, and he wants you to speak it out of your mouth. And then we just understand that, that, that God's, God, man, God's promises were designed with your problems in mind. God knew you were going to face problems. That's why we need his promises. God knew you were going to face adversity. That's why we need his promises. And that's why his promises need to be written on our heart, not just hanging on our wall, because if it's just nice artwork on the wall, we're going to forget it in the time of the storm. It needs to be tattooed in our heart so it can come from within us and we can begin to declare, but this is the word of God. And I begin to declare the truth of his word over my situation. So we have to ask ourselves, what, what promises am I willing to replay? I've got to replay them. I've got to repeat them. I've got to repeat them. I've got to repeat the promises. It takes us to the fourth question that we, that we ask ourselves, and that is, what prayer am I willing to pray? What prayer am I willing to pray? So we have, what price am I willing to pay? We have to decide that at the beginning of the journey. 
What foundation am I willing to lay? Will I really take all of Jesus' words and work them into my life, building my entire life off of his words? What promises am I willing to replay? Am I going to repeat? And then what prayer am I willing to pray? In John chapter 17, it's the longest recorded prayer that we have that that Jesus prayed. And in John 17, verse 20, Jesus is praying, and this is what he says. He says to the Father, he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Somebody say, that's me. Okay, that's you. Jesus is not just praying for his disciples. You need to understand that that Jesus was praying for you, for all who would ever believe. That, that's you. If today, if you are in here and you are a believer, you are a believer because the message of Jesus got out. It started with the disciples, it got out, and it spread all over the world. And today, you're a result of that. So here, Jesus is praying for you, which is really powerful. Kind of hard to conceive, but Jesus praying for you 2,000 years ago. He says this, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. He said, this is what I'm praying, is that you will make them one, Father, like me and you are one. Wait a minute, you know, it gets a little like, you know, you start talking about some of these theological things, like in your brain starts like, you know, I mean, you know, like the Trinity, right? Like you start talking about, uh, you know, you start trying to explain that to your six-year-old, right? It's like, is three, is one, is Jesus God? How can God be this? Like, I just trust me on this, okay? Like, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? They they are they are three in one. They, they are three in one. And and whenever whenever you whenever you think about that, like they are they are so they are, they are so one, and they're three, but they are so one that they are always moving in lockstep together. They are, in, they are in agreement with one another. They are working together. I mean, they are, they are one. And Jesus' prayer for his followers is that we would be one like that. I mean, we want to start yelling at people for how they serve communion and they play the music over here and they, they don't know, they're doing all kinds of great. And Jesus' prayer was that we would be one like him and the Father were one. He says, and if they are one like that, 
and then they are one in us like that. Like now there is unity, not just in, in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but now these followers are one, and now they are connected to us, and it becomes one. He says, listen, then the whole world is going to believe that something supernatural has happened. If they can live with that much unity and that much love, if they can work together like that, if they can serve in lockstep with one another, then the world will know that something supernatural has happened. That's what Jesus was praying for. He doesn't stop there. And he says this. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. There he goes again. Man, he's still talking about it. And I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, how many of you understand Jesus was praying a crazy, bold prayer? He was praying a radical prayer. Why? Because Jesus has been observing humanity for thousands of years. He knows what he is asking the Father to do is crazy, bold, and radical. Jesus is not praying some nice, cute, simple little prayer, a little bless them here and bless them there. No, Jesus is saying, God, this is my prayer that you would make them one the same way that we are one. And that the world through their unity would know that you have sent me, that, that I must be who they say I am because there ain't no way there could be that much unity in any other way other than something supernatural happened. That was the crazy, bold prayer that Jesus was praying. You love them as much as you love me. Think about that that you would know that God loves you as much as he loves his one and only son. That was Jesus' prayer. That you would be confident that God loves you as much as he does his only son. Wow, what this, this, is, this is a crazy prayer. That we would be one, that you would know that you are his love. You start thinking, but man, you don't, you don't know what happened, what I did when I was 13 years old, what I did when I was 18 years old. I mean, Jesus was perfect. He was the holy son of God, born of a virgin, never sinned. I mean, I know God loved his own son. I mean, his own son went to the cross, died for the whole world. I mean, came up out the great throughout. Well, of course, God loves his son. And here Jesus is praying, I, God, I want them to know that you love them as much as you love me. That's a crazy, bold prayer. What will you dare to pray? Look, Jesus wasn't, listen, this is the great thing about Jesus. Jesus wasn't just praying a bold prayer so that we could look and go, wow, that's my Savior. Wow, that's my Lord, praying that big prayer. No, Jesus was modeling something for us. He wasn't just trying to impress you. He was trying to lead you. He was trying to show you. He was saying, hey, see what I do and imitate me, right? I mean, somebody, just think about this. Like, Jesus was praying, but, I mean, the, the prayer is recorded. Somebody had to be 
sneaking in. You know what I'm saying? Somebody is right. I mean, John, somebody, somebody had to be taking it down what they were hearing. Jesus. Jesus was not praying. It wasn't like Jesus was surprised, right? Like, what do you mean you're recording my prayer? No, Jesus understands. He's praying because he knows, hey, this is going to be recorded, and I want you to model this prayer. It's not just for you to be impressed. Wow, look at you. Look at the faith that Jesus had. Wow, it's amazing. I love my Lord and Savior. What a man, what a man, what a man. No, he's saying, I want to show you this is how you can pray. What prayer are you willing to pray? What kind of crazy, radical, ridiculous prayer? Are you willing to pray? Think about what James, the brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 5. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, all of your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt, listen to this, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of the righteous man can accomplish much. Now, wait a minute. Did it say the perfect prayer? Or did it just say the heartfelt and persistent? (laughs) The genuine, authentic prayer that is just persistent. You don't have to be perfect. So many people are afraid to pray because they feel like, I got to pray the right prayer. I got to say it the right way. I got to say it in the right order. I got to say it with the right tone of voice. I got to pray. I mean, if I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to get something from God, then this has got to be in perfect order. No, he says here, he says, your prayer is effective when it is just heartfelt, meaning it's genuine, it's honest, it's transparent, it's vulnerable, it is, it is, it is, it is authentic, it is who you are, when it is heartfelt and when it is just persistent. It's just persistent. It's like I, I'm just, I just keep coming back. I just keep asking. That's what Jesus says. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on ask. asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Just keep on coming back. That's what he says. It's, if that's your prayer, it's going to be effective. It's going to accomplish much good. Right? And go, go verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Here James says, Elijah is just a normal man. He had all the limitations that we do. Same physical limitations. Same mental limitations, same emotional limitations. He was just like me and you. Yet when he prayed his heartfelt and persistent prayer, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and it came a gully washer. I mean, this is what this is, this is what happened. The scripture is letting us know: hey, there are people that prayed bold prayers, and God did crazy things. Jesus prayed a bold prayer. You see, I would say that if you aren't praying for impact, you're probably not going to make it. If you aren't praying for change, you're probably not going to see it. If you aren't praying for courage, you're probably not going to get it. 
And sometimes in our lives, our destiny, our future, our advancement is not waiting as much on our progress as it is on our prayer. It's not waiting on us to figure everything out to move. It's just waiting on our prayer because some places you can't ever grow enough to get to. <laughs> you can read all the books and do all the things and make all the changes, but there are some things in life that you can't grow enough to get into. There are some things that only God can take you into. And so while I'm, I'm all about reading and all about going, you know that. I mean, we're all about this. But there comes a time where sometimes we have to say, you know what? I'm doing what I can do over here, but I've got to pray some big, bold prayers so that God can do what only God can do over here. I'm going to keep doing what I can do over here, but I'm going to pray some big prayers because there are some places that God wants to take me that only God can get me into. So what prayers are you willing to? to pray. What prayers are you willing to pray? Are you willing to pray big prayers where if God doesn't bring his super into your natural, it's not going to happen? I mean, we should pray bigger prayers and like, oh, God, help me to wake up at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, you can get your own lazy butt up at 6 o'clock in the morning, okay? I mean, I know some people are like, no, that would really be a miracle. I mean, <laughs> that has to be an angelic visitation. I mean, okay, okay, okay. We can get ourselves up, but sometimes that's our prayers. Oh, God, wake me up at 6 a.m. Oh, God, help me not to eat that cupcake, right? Whatever. I mean, we're praying prayers, and we... But we don't pray the bold, crazy prayers like Jesus was modeling for us. Lord, make us one, Whoo! I can't do that. I can do my part, my small little part, but I can't do that. that that's a cold, that, that, that's a bold prayer. Elijah praying crazy prayers that it wouldn't rain, that it would rain. We see that all throughout the Bible, people praying these bold, crazy prayers. What prayer are you willing to pray? What prayer are you willing to pray? Pray big prayers so that God has to bring his super. If God doesn't bring his super, it's not going to happen. Here's the last one. What belief am I willing to betray? What belief am I willing to betray? So what price am I willing to pay? What foundation am I willing to lay? What promises am I willing to replay? You know, you know one thing that, that I didn't say about replaying those promises is that not, not only... Um, uh, you know, can, can we just get distracted and forget? You know what also, this can also happen is that we get bored. You get bored saying a declaration. Oh God, I've been saying, I said that declaration every day for, for two weeks. I mean, am I just going to keep that up? Yeah, go for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, don't get bored with declaring those things. Don't, don't, don't get bored. Be willing to repeat and replay what you need to repeat and replay. What promises am I willing to, to replay? What prayer am I willing to pray? And finally, what belief am I willing to betray? There is a belief in every single one of us right now in this moment that is holding us back and limiting our future. In every one of us. There, there, is, there is some belief in me right now that I at this, at this current moment I, I may or may not be aware of that is holding me back and limiting my future. It's, it's hindering me in some way. It's, 
it, it's, it's suppressing some potential. It's, it, it's smothering some productivity. And these, these beliefs show up in a lot of different ways. And I mean, here, here's just some of them. And, and you, you know these to be true. And you, maybe you've believed these at some times. Or maybe this is a belief that you have right now. That it's, hey, it's time for us to betray this belief. But beliefs like this, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not prepared enough. I'm not patient enough. I'm not godly enough. I'm not tough enough. I'm not fun enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not organized enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too strict. I'm too nice. I'm too broken. I'm too perfect. I'm too ashamed. I'm too limited. I'm too quiet, too loud, too shy. I'm too outspoken. I'm too stressed. I'm too cautious. I'm too afraid. I'm too nervous. I'm too short. I'm too immature. I'm too intimidated. I'm too optimistic. I'm too damaged. I'm too stretched. I'm too fragile. I'm too tired. I'm too inconsistent. I'm too boring. I'm too busy. I'm too quick-tempered. And the list would just go on and on and on. We could have beliefs, who would listen to me? (laughs) What do I have to offer? Why would people want to follow me? How could somebody like me ever really make a difference? You see, these are beliefs that we need to betray. These are beliefs that we need to betray. They have been with us for so long that sometimes what can happen is that these beliefs can actually become our friends. They've been with us for so long, they're like like comrades because we've had these beliefs for so long. They, 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 they've, They've been with us. It's almost like they're, it's almost like they're an identical twin. They've been with us so long, they, they, they look just like us. <laughs> they, they, they feel like, I mean, I've used this excuse and, and, and I've used this belief so many times in my life. But do you know, it is time for us to betray some of these beliefs. Because these beliefs are limiting us. These beliefs are keeping us from advancing into everything that God has for us. Let me just wrap up with this thought. You know, when when Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Most of the time, when we hear that, we think about our current battles and not our lifelong beliefs. When we hear the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we think about our, our current situation, right? We think about the current battle that we're in And we don't think about the lifelong beliefs that we have had since we were seven years old. We don't think of the lifelong beliefs that we've been carrying with us that came from our parents, that came from an old teacher, an old coach, that came from a boss that we had when we were 18 years old. We've had these beliefs that we have carried with us. And when we hear Jesus say, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we hear, oh, okay, that's the, that's the adversity that I'm thinking. Oh, that's the battle that I'm in right now. And yet, at the same time, it could also be relating to the lifelong beliefs, the lifelong limiting beliefs that we've carried with us for so long. Because make, make no mistake about it. The devil will use anything that he can. He'll use tomorrow's doctor's report or the words of your second grade teacher. 
The devil will use a future failure or he'll use your childhood fear. He doesn't care. He'll use whatever he can to keep you from advancing. To keep you from moving forward on purpose with purpose. Because don't you remember what, what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 said? God created you to do the good works that he prepared for you. And those, those good works are in front of you. And we are called to advance into those good works, to move forward. And the enemy will do anything he can to keep you from advancing into the good works that God created you to do. And he'll use whatever he can use. He does not fight fair. He wants to do one thing. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your, 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 your peace. He, he wants to destroy your future. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will do it by any means possible. He does not want you to advance. And some lifelong limiting beliefs, they, they, they need to be betrayed today. You see, if you want to advance, you've got to identify the beliefs that it's time to betray. So as we go through these five questions, I, I would encourage you tonight, tomorrow, I would encourage you to give these five questions some time and attention. What price are you willing to pay? What price are you willing? Have you already made up your mind? Are you just kind of taking it day by day? <laughs> I kind of decide today and I'll decide a little bit tomorrow and I'll just kind of see how it goes and, you know, we'll see. No, have you already decided? What price are you willing to pay? What foundation are you willing to lay? Are you working all of Jesus' words in or do you just work in the words that you like? <laughs> Because the depth of that foundation determines the height of your life. You gotta dig deep. You gotta dig deep. I mean, understand when you start digging deep in your soul, it starts hurting, <laughs> right? You, you remember that? Remember that game? Uh, you know, old, old, old school game, right? You that uh, operation, right? You know, yeah. You, know, you had the little metal tweezers. You know, there's some young people in here in their 30s that are looking at me. They don't even know what they're talking about. You know, and then you had these little metal tweezers, and you had to get in there, and it was like this, this patient, like, was on the board, you know, and, like, he had, like, his femur bone and his, his collar bone, and, you know, had all these bones, and you had to take these little tweezers, like you were some doctor, had to go in there, and you had to grab the little bone, because if you touch the side, ah, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, God, you know what I mean? It's like light flashed before your eyes, you know. You thought you were going to lose an arm, you know, whatever. I mean, I got so into that, I forgot totally what I was talking about. I start having flashbacks right there. Playing operation. You know what my flashback was? was when I'd play it with my sister who was two years younger than me, and she'd be there, and I'd hit her elbow. That wasn't right. Lord, forgive me for that. I don't know if I've ever repented for that, but it just flashed back right there in front of me. I really have no idea what I was talking about right there. <laughs> ah, there we go, digging deep. Thank you, digging deep. The reason that we don't dig deep is because it hurts. 
when you start digging deep into your soul, man, it gets so uncomfortable. Why? Because you start confronting things that you don't like about you. That's why I always say the hardest thing that I believe, the hardest thing you'll ever do with your ever do in your life is to be 100% gut level honest with yourself. I think it's the hardest thing to do in all of humanity is to be honest with. Why? Because whenever you get deep, ooh, it gets dark and it gets ugly. And I'm like, uh, this is uncomfortable. Can don't know what I do with my hands, right? Like it gets, ah, it gets so uncomfortable. I don't like this. He says, this is what you got to do if you want to build a great foundation. You got to dig deep. You got to dig deep and work those words of Jesus into that foundation. What, what, What foundation are you willing to lay? What promises are you willing to replay? Not get distracted, not get bored. What, 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 what are you willing to put on repeat and declare over your life every single day because you know it's the promises of God? What prayer are you going to be willing to pray? What bold, crazy, radical prayer will you pray? Not just God bless my food. Not just God, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Come on, that's not what I'm, I'm talking about praying some crazy, radical prayers. Jesus modeled that for us. What prayer are you willing to pray? And then finally, what belief are you willing to betray? What belief are you willing to betray? Because listen, if you are not willing to betray that belief, let me tell you, that belief is going to betray you in your future. We have got to walk away from those beliefs and say, no more. I'm not hanging on to you. I'm not hanging those. Those beliefs are keeping me from advancing into everything that God has. I'm going to betray those beliefs so that I can advance into the future that God has. Amen? Come on, will you stand with me? Come on, just bow your head just for a moment. We're just going to close just a, with just a, just a moment of prayer. Just bow your head. Father, I, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would search our hearts. God, in, in, in the, uh, as we are confronted with these uh, five questions, God, I pray that the answers that we would give to these questions would, would bring advancement, God, into our lives. God, God, I pray that we would decide, that we would decide right now the price that I'm willing to pay. God, that we would not negotiate that day by day or week by week or challenge by challenge, but we would decide before we ever take another step, this is the price that I am willing to pay. God, let us decide the foundation that we are going to lay. God, let us decide that foundation. God, that we're not just going to work the words that we like, that we're not just going to work the words that are convenient, that we're not going to work the words that fit into our political viewpoint, that we're not just going to work the words that fit into our culture, into our society. We're not just going to work the word. No, we're going to work all of your words into our foundation, and we are going to dig deep, and we're going to confront the, the, the darkest, deepest places of our heart. We are going to build that foundation strong and secure so that we can build the the life that you created us for. God, let us, let us answer the question, what, what, what promise am I willing to replay? What promise do I, I've got to keep in front of me, 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 keep declaring. 
God, what, what, what prayer am I willing to pray? Come on, what prayer are you going to start praying? What crazy, radical, ridiculous prayer are you going to start praying? The prayers like Jesus modeled for us. What prayer are you going to be willing to pray? Lastly, what belief do you need to portray? Holy Spirit, open up our eyes. Open up our ears. Open up our mind. Open up our hearts. God, I pray that as we, as we wrestle with these five questions, as we answer these five questions, God, that the answer would lead to us advancing. That the answer would lead to us advancing. That the answer would lead to us moving forward with purpose. Making progress. God, that is my prayer for us tonight. God, we thank you for your word. Continue this work in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and share our podcast. For more content from NCC and how to get connected, visit ncc.team.